You want a war? You're gonna get one. Welcome back to Reliving the War and welcome to the 20th of October 1997. Tonight, WWF Raw's War comes live from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, while WCW Nitro comes live from Biloxi, Mississippi, or Bollocks, Mississippi. Halloween Havoc 1997 is our next pay-per-view and WCW are going to do all they can to promote that event on this week's episode of Nitro. On Raw, the countdown to Hart vs. Michaels continues as the company looks ahead to Survivor Series 1997. Let's get started with episode 104 of Reliving the War. As soon as Nitro comes on the air, we see a bunch of NWO guys laid out on the floor backstage. A baseball bat's visible, DDP has been spray-painted on the floor, and we also see Roddy Piper's icon shirt. Hogan, Savage and Bischoff make their way to the ring, and Bischoff says the baseball bat is proof, the shirt is proof, and the spray-paint's proof. This is the work of Sting, Piper and Dallas. Hogan notices the cage hanging above the ring and he says he gets the message loud and clear. We don't have to wait until Halloween Havoc. Hollywood tells Piper to get his scrawny little ass out of the ring and then he has a wee bounce on the bottom rope. That looks fun. Macho calls out Piper, Sting and Dallas too, but no one shows up. Bischoff begs for one of the three to walk down the entranceway, but again, there's no Piper, no Sting and no Dallas. Larry Sabisco says this is the NWO getting a taste of their own medicine and Mike Tanay says this is WCW continuing to fight back against the NWO's hostile takeover. Our opening matches then are Chris Benoit vs Eddie Guerrero for the cruiserweight belt on Nitro and on Raw, Ahmed Johnson teams up with Ken Shamrock to battle Rocky Maivia and Kama Mustafa. After pushing each other around a bit, Eddie goes down after a hard shoulder block and Chris then delivers an arm drag. A hard chop stuns Benoit for a moment but Eddie gets launched into the air afterwards and he crashes hard on the mat. As usual, we've got a great crowd here for Nitro in Bollocks, Mississippi. Eddie gloats after landing a dropkick but Chris makes him pay with a few knife edge chops and these looked pretty tasty. Eddie takes a few more in the corner and he tries to escape but Chris pulls him right back and Guerrero's chest continues to get lit up. Eddie gets slapped so hard that he falls to the outside, but back in the ring he manages to perform a snapmare before twisting his foot on Benoit's face. Eddie can't keep his momentum though, a chop sends him back to the outside and Chris follows this with a dive through the middle ropes. Nitro then takes a commercial break and we come back to Eddie applying an abdominal stretch. Chris frees himself and Eddie goes down after a hook clothesline, but a head scissors puts Eddie right back in control. Chris counters a tornado DDT, but Eddie quickly replies with a drop toe hold that leads to Chris smacking his head off the middle turnbuckle. It looks like Benoit's knocked out, so Eddie goes upstairs, he hits the frog splash, and Eddie Guerrero retains his cruiserweight title. Eddie will go on to face Rey Mysterio at Halloween Havoc later in the week. What a great way to open up Nitro though, a very good match to kick things off. 
The new WWF Tag Team Champions come out to back up Ahmed Johnson and Ken Shamrock. Professional lifesavers gotta professionally save lives, you know. Shamrock and Ahmed make their entrances, the nation then come out, and we have a fight with all eight men before the tag match even begins. Things settle down and the two teams competing in the match are now in the ring. Before they lock up, we see D-Generation X at the entranceway and they've got a few signs. Sean would rather be in China, it seems. Ahmed and Rocky start the match but they immediately tumble out of the ring. Rock gets his foot caught on the top and middle ropes. DX show us a few more signs. Uncle Tom 316 and Spank Me Vince. Who booked this crap? Black is beautiful and Hey Vince, nice shoulder pads. Shamrock and Kama are now in the ring and Kama gets put down with a belly to belly. Rocky then takes a jumping back kick and Shamrock clotheslines Kama over the top rope. Absolute domination from Kenny Boy. When the match resumes, Rock hits Shamrock from behind and the nation take control. Rick Rude then begins making his way down to the ring as Rock gets tagged in and we see the people's elbow. It only gets a two count. Shamrock replies with a Frankensteiner and the crowd pops. On the outside of the ring, Rick Rude and Farouk are having what looks like a friendly conversation. I wonder what they're talking about. Back in the ring, Rocky hits a low blow before tagging in Kama. Kama hits a clothesline. Rock comes back in to finish the job, but Shamrock hits another belly-to-belly suplex. Why he isn't tagging Ahmed back in is anyone's guess. As a matter of fact, Ahmed doesn't get tagged in again, and I'm assuming he complained about being hurt or something. It's very odd. We definitely see the usual opportunities for hot tags and whatnot, but Ken simply doesn't go back to his corner. Anyway, the LOD jump on the apron to complain about Kama cheating. Dilo takes care of Ahmed on the outside, and this allows Farouk to hit Shamrock with Rick Rude's magical briefcase. Rocky pins Shamrock and the nation win the match. HBK celebrates by mooning the babyfaces. Farouk hands the briefcase back, and now fans wonder why DX were helping out the nation, but all will be revealed very soon. Ahmed chases after the nation and they fight while going through the curtain, and then the Godwins sneak attack the Legion of Doom with a few trash cans. Some would say the opening for Raw was a little overbooked, but I thought it was okay. Just very weird how Ahmed didn't get involved in the match as much as he should've. Bret Hart vs Farouk is next up on Raw, on Nitro we've got Goldberg vs Wrath and Mongo vs Mortis. You settle in to witness what should be a colossal battle on Nitro between Wrath and newcomer Bill Goldberg, but Goldberg rocks his opponent straight away with a spear. We then see the jackhammer and Goldberg wins via pinfall and the crowd absolutely lose their shit. Goldberg was a made man after just a few short weeks and we haven't even hit double digits yet on the streak. This victory makes him 5-0. On the entranceway, Goldberg says who's next as the crowd continue to cheer. And then big Steve McMichael makes his way down the ramp. Looks like we're going to see a battle between these big football boys very soon as Mongo makes it clear he isn't afraid of Goldberg. Trust me mate, you fucking should be. Mongo vs Mortis then takes place and Big Steve wasn't able to secure a victory so quickly. He tried with a few 3 point stance tackles right at the opening bell but Vandenberg jumped on the apron to make sure another one of his guys wouldn't job out in a matter of seconds. Mortis hits a reverse STO, it's a bit confusing because this move would also become known as the flatliner. Mortis then delivers a death volley driver but it's not enough to end the match. Mongo gets a chance to win when he dodges a corner attack but his schoolboy pin only gets a 2 count. 
Vandenberg distracts the referee and this allows Mortis to dump Mongo over the top rope and Vandenberg then gets in a cheap shot. Still, all this wasn't enough to secure Mortis a much needed victory. Vandenberg tries to stop Mongo from hitting a tombstone and Big Steve decides to punch Mortis's manager off the apron. We then see the Mongo tombstone piledriver and Mongo wins another one on Nitro. After the match, Mean Gene interviews McMichael and he says he doesn't really care who Deborah brings along to Halloween Havoc to face him in a match. Deborah then shows up and this makes Steve beat the shit out of the ring steps. Seriously, he goes to town here as Mean Gene questions Deborah about this mystery guy she's bringing along to the pay-per-view this Sunday. She won't give an answer. Goldberg would be the obvious choice here after that stare down on the entranceway, but it's not Goldberg guys. Oh no, it's someone even better than Goldberg. Michael Cole's in the nation's locker room and, well, have a look. It appears that the Heart Foundation have wrecked the place and there's <laughs> there's messages on the walls and let's just leave it at that. Vince says, Look, a Canadian flag, like he found a massive clue, completely ignoring the giant Canada rules that was shown seconds before the Maple Leaf. We go back to the arena and Farouk's screaming at Vince McMahon, clearly upset about what just happened. The rest of the nation then come down and they threaten to quit the company. Farouk gets in the ring and he says he was scheduled to face Bret Hart tonight in the main event but he wants to fight the hitman right now. Farouk says he sees in black and white, he won't let anyone tell him to leave the country because America was built on the back of a black man. Farouk's ancestors paid the price to live in the United States and Farouk wants to settle this right now by beating the ever-loving shit out of the WWF champion. The Hart Foundation start filing out with Owen Hart looking a little unprepared and then the hitman walks down the ramp and our match can begin. Farouk wails on Bret Hart at the opening bell and Bret tries to fight back. We then see DX walking down the ramp and Sean and company walk over to the commentary table. The nation stand guard for Sean as he says on commentary that Bret Hart showed his true colours tonight. What he and the Hart's done was unforgivable and this is exactly why Sean should be the new champion. There's no place for this kind of stuff in the World Wrestling Federation. Bret notices Sean and he marches straight out of the ring but the nation then attack Bret. The Hart Foundation come over to back up the hitman and DX make their escape. Bret breaks free and he goes after DX but then Raw takes a commercial break. We come back and our match is gonna resume. Bret counters a top rope attack and the hitman goes on to do what he does best. He softens up the left leg in preparation for the sharpshooter but when he goes for the ring post figure 4, another brawl breaks out between the hearts and the nation. Farouk manages to get back in the ring but that ends up being a costly mistake because Steve Austin shows up from the crowd and he hits Farouk with a stone cold stunner. Brett doesn't realise what happened but he'll take it anyway. Brett covers Farouk and Brett wins via pinfall. I should have mentioned this during the entrances but the crowd were cheering for the Hart Foundation. They also cheered for Brett during the match and they cheered for Brett after the match. The nation complained of Vince McMahon before heading back up the entranceway and get ready to say goodbye to Brett on Raw because he only has one more match on the WWF Monday Night Show for us to look at. Over on Nitro, Raven's hanging out at a playground and that's dodgy as fuck lad. Last week he was hanging out beside a cot. I mean, yeah. He's banging on here about his childhood again, how recess should have been a great time when he was at school, but it was actually really shit because no one would play with him. If he was talking all this bollocks in school, then I wouldn't have been mates with him either. Yada yada yada, woe is me, quote the Raven nevermore, thanks Raven. Magtanay's Lucha Libre series continues with a look at Rey Mysterio Jr. and the importance of Rey's mask. 
Through this video, it's announced that Ray will put his mask on the line at Halloween Havoc when he battles Eddie Guerrero for the Cruiserweight title. Ray was led to believe that he was losing his mask at the pay-per-view and he had words with Eric Bischoff, expressing his displeasure about the whole thing and then threatening the walkout. Bischoff told Ray he wasn't going anywhere, he had a contract, things were reaching their boiling point but Eddie Guerrero stepped in and it was Eddie who got the finish changed so Ray could keep his mask. I know, spoiler, but everyone's seen the match and if you haven't, you're missing out big time. Up next, Juventud Guerrera takes on Yuji Nagata and the Giant cuts a promo on Nitro. On Raw, Jeff Jarrett shows up. Double J gets in the ring unannounced on Raw and he's gonna cut a shoot promo. And the first thing he wants to talk about is WCW. Jarrett says that Eric Bischoff let him drown in mediocrity. Eric talked about taking Jarrett's contract offer away, but Jeff says the only thing Eric took away from Double J were opportunities. Jeff makes it clear that it was he himself who refused to re-sign with WCW. Double J says there's no career progression in Atlanta and he was only gonna go as far as Eric wanted him to. Jarrett says he was one of the youngest and most talented superstars WCW had, but he didn't have enough stroke in the company. He goes on to make harsh comments about Mongo and Debra, the two people he had the most storyline with in World Championship Wrestling, and he says Mongo's just an ex-football player who doesn't know how to lock up, while Debra brings a whole new meaning to the term dumb blonde. Double J then says he left the World Wrestling Federation for the same reasons. He tells Vince McMahon that his vision for Double J Jeff Jarrett sucked, and Vince just agrees on the headset while laughing. Someone also throws a ghost face mask at Vince and he goes to put it on. This just annoyed Jarrett more. Big fucking spooky Vince McMahon guys, absolutely terrifying. Jarrett says it's ironic that he walked out on Vince, yet Vince is the one paying him right now to come back to the WWF. Jarrett accuses Vince of trying to bury him, but he couldn't get the job done, and now Vince pays Double J a whole lot more money this second time around. Jarrett tells Vince to take with my baby tonight and stick it up his butt, and that's a step too far there Mr. Double J, we'll have less of that. In regards to how WWF stands at this time, Bret Hart is just the best there was and Jeff has no respect for the hitman. Shawn Michaels only wrestles once a week and he's proud of the fact. All Shawn does is point to his crotch while giving little hand signals to his boys in Atlanta. And Shawn isn't the icon or the main event anymore. In regards to Steve Austin, he lowered himself to shaving his head and repeatedly saying the word ass to get a reaction. Jarrett says Stone Cold will always be the ringmaster and Austin 316 is offensive to Jeff. Austin's ripping off the Bible to put money in his own pocket. Jarrett wraps it up by saying Vince wanted the real Jeff Jarrett and he just got the real Jeff Jarrett. Double J hopes Vince's investment is worth all the headaches. It's a fascinating promo whether you like Double J or not and it's another example of the WWF going hard at WCW, something that's been seriously ramped up over these past two weeks. On Nitro, Ultimo Dragon showed up during the Guerrera vs Nagata match when Sonny Ono kicked Hoovy, causing Guerrera to fall off the top rope. Dragon chased the little shitbag all around the ring but Nagata came to the rescue and Dragon ends up getting his ass kicked in the ring. Ono lays in some sweet kicks before Nagata applies the Nagata lock. Dragon's gonna try to get a little revenge this week at Halloween Havoc when he faces Nagata one on one. Raven, Saturn, Stevie Richards and Smackhead Kidman are then seen sitting in the audience and it looks like a new member has joined this faction. Can't remember her name but she too looks like a moody outcast of society so I'm sure she'll fit right in. The Vianos and Damien were supposed to compete next in a trios match but the giant makes his way to the ring and the match gets cancelled. 
The Giant says Kevin Nash's knee injury is phony in Kevin's hiding. There's only one Giant in pro wrestling and it's, uh, the Giant. So Nash needs to get ready because the Giant's coming after him. Damien then shows his displeasure about getting interrupted and he gets punched in the face for his troubles. Viano 5 gets chokeslammed and the Giant sends another message to Kevin Nash by hitting Viano 4 with a jackknife. Disco Inferno battles Rey Mysterio next on Nitro and we've got another NWO promo. Over on Raw we've got Brian Christopher versus Mark Merrow. Disco started things off right away with a big old powerbomb, trying to end things early and get to the back but Rey stayed on the TV champion and he hit a great looking leg drop while Disco was draped over the middle rope. Mysterio then hits a springboard back attack I think, whatever it was it knocked Disco out and already Mysterio was signalling for the end. He goes to the apron for the West Coast pop but Eddie Guerrero appears and he attacks Ray. it's another disqualification. Jacqueline shows up to confront Disco, she throws him off the second rope, the two have a stare down. Disco then goes to leave but Jackie jumps on his back and she starts throwing punches. Disco escapes with his TV title but Jackie gives chase and Disco gets taken out again, resulting in the Inferno having to run away to the back before his Halloween Havoc opponent does any more damage. Casual viewers are still left wondering what Jackie's problem is with Disco Inferno and we're only days away from the pay-per-view. I know this upcoming match made the news and it's pretty noteworthy on the grand scheme of things, but there was honestly nothing here when going into the match except Disco avoids Jackie because, well, just because. Hogan, Savage and Bischoff then hit the ring and the promo here is more or less the exact same as Nitro's Open. Bischoff wants Piper, DDP and Sting to come down to the ring. Eric says nobody leaves the building until the NWO get what they want and that includes the fans. Hogan says the doors are locked and he'll fight everyone in the building until he gets what he wants and that includes that new member of Raven's faction. And Eric says uh, Vince McMahon is afraid of Hulk Hogan's new movie. That's a shit comeback after Vince's comments last week. Anyway, the heels keep asking for the babyfaces to come down to the ring but it doesn't happen. The commentators say the NWO aren't in control tonight and you can see the group begin to crack. Mark Merrow's back on Raw and already Vince McMahon's pushing Sable more than Merrow. She's the one getting talked about on the headsets and she's the one the camera focuses on. Brian Christopher wants to box with Merrow and he shows off his fancy footwork. This of course was a mistake and Merrow lands a punch that sends Christopher to the corner. Merrow delivers a hip toss and a drop to a hold before showing Brian how it should be done when it comes to fancy footwork. And on the outside, Jerry Lawler grabs a Steve Austin cap, he wants Sable to model it. Sable's a little hesitant at first because this fucking creep's asking her to wear a cap but she puts it on and Lawler leaves. In the ring, Mero delivers a punch combo in the corner and then he notices the baseball cap. He takes it off Sable and he throws it into the audience. Christopher attacks from behind and Mero takes a bump on Sable's massive party pillows. Seriously, he got right in there. But Sable's big slammers weren't enough to put Mark out for the three count. Jerry Lawler gets on the apron to complain about Mero being a little bitch but this distraction allows Mark to hit a low blow on Christopher. We then see the TKO and Marvelous Mark wins the match. He looks pissed off as he walks back up the ramp with Sable and there really was only one way this could all go wasn't there? Still, let's stick with it and see how it all unfolds. 
Shawn Michaels vs. Owen Hart on Raw, Dean Malenko vs. Kurt Hennig on Nitro. Kurt Hennig got a clean win in this Nitro match, and yeah, he did take a timeout on the outside. Malenko managed to counter the perfect plex and he even locked in the cloverleaf, but he was too close to the ropes. A leg scissor stomp from Kurt Hennig weakened Malenko enough for the perfect plex, and Kurt Hennig wins via pinfall. Over on Raw, Owen Hart wants Sean to keep DX in the back and Owen says he'll keep the Hart Foundation in the back. This is a title versus title match and the best man should walk away with two belts and two slammies. DX come out to introduce Shawn Michaels but the microphone doesn't work. It's working in the TV feed but it's not working inside the arena. So we at home can clearly hear Rick Rude ordering Triple H to get to the back and get someone to turn his mic on. Cut the music! Finally, Rude's able to speak to the audience and he wants all these sleazy, slimy, Oklahoma idiots to button their lips, open their eyes, and pay attention. It's time for the main event because DX is here. Rude introduces the showstopper, the icon, the main event, and HBK finally walks out and he tells his teammates to head back to the locker room. Looks like the Heartbreak Kid's comfortable enough to handle this one on his own. Vince McMahon says that Owen Hart may be the real hitman of the Hart Foundation, and this is something that gets repeated on this night and at Survivor Series by Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. The WWF were getting ready to move Owen on to something else perhaps when Brett left the company, and this real hitman thing is something I found fascinating back then. Who knows what the initial plans were for Owen, but I'm sure everything went out the window following the screw job. Two of the WWF's absolute best go at it in the middle of the ring, but our guy here just wants Kamala back. <laughs> Owen's getting the better of HBK here as he hits a spinning wheel kick followed by a clothesline over the top rope. Michaels then dodges a baseball slide and it's HBK who gets the better of Owen on the outside. The Hart Foundation watch from the back and Brett points directly at HBK's asshole. This, he explains to the anvil, is the weak spot, and the anvil should target this weak spot whenever possible. HBK hits a pile driver on the outside during the break, but when we come back, Owen counters a top rope double axe handle. Sean takes the flare corner bump and an overhead belly to belly suplex, and then Michaels finds himself in a sleeper. A back suplex breaks the hold and Sean gets a little vicious with a few punches to the head. Owen goes down after a drop kick and what a bastard. There's a Shawn Michaels chin lock. The production team knew what to do here as we see Davey watching the chin lock, clearly not amused by the lousy technique of his signature hold, but he knows his brother-in-law will fight out with relative ease. Owen's able to catch Michaels and perform a slingshot. He tries rushing at Shawn in the corner, but Michaels moves out of the way. This gives HBK a chance to body slam the IC champion and perform his diving elbow, but Owen ducks out of the way when Shawn goes for the super kick and we see the enziguri. The same move that put Michaels on the shelf back in 96. Sean's out again, Owen has it won, the King of Hearts turns around to cover HBK but then Steve Austin appears again. Remember, Austin wants Owen for the IC title, so to ensure Owen doesn't win the match, Austin hits the referee with a stunner. Sean's then able to hit the super kick but there's no ref to count the pinfall. We see Bret Hart dashing to the ring, and here we go, here we go, ah, Bret finally gets his hands on Sean and the crowd's loving it. Bret does a little damage before DX run down to save the Heartbreak Kid. The Heart Foundation are a little late here, but that's how it ends. Another DQ finish this week, but my god. We have got quite a lot of heat here on Raw, and this Bret vs Sean buildup has been great. It's a shame, in a way, that what happens at the end of Survivor Series completely overshadows everything else.
Undertaker talks about his past next, and we've got the British Bulldog versus Dude Love on Raw. On Nitro, we've got a Ray Trailer versus Scott Norton rematch. I feel like I have to talk about this Trailer versus Norton match, seeing as I glossed over it last week, so let's do it. Ray Trailer has to fight off both Norton and Vincent at the start of the match, and Vincent gets thrown to the outside. This gives Norton a chance to hit a big power slam, and what a power slam it was. Ray takes a hard chop, and Norton splashes Ray in the corner. Norton then talks a little shit to fans at home, and Trailer goes down after a jumping shoulder block. Ray replies with a spine buster followed by a splash. He then performs an enziguri, and the cameras focus on a spray can that Vincent's doing a very poor job of hiding away. Ray gets hit with a stun gun, but he replies with a second rope clothesline followed by a leapfrog body guillotine. He then goes all the way to the top for a crossbody, and just as Ray was about to win via pinfall, Vincent jumps on the apron. Trailer goes to attack Vincent, but he gets spread in the face. Completely blinded, Ray walks into a Scott Norton clothesline, and Norton wins via pinfall. Two losses in a row for Big Ray Trailer. Still, he gets up and he goes after Vincent and Norton after the bell, but the NWO show up and Ray takes a beating. Sometimes it's best to just stay down, my man. Looks like Ray's learning that the hard way. Alright, Stock Footage Adventures is back. The Undertaker's gonna talk about his past and talk about his little bro. Taker says he walked the face of the earth for over 20 years covered by a dark cloud, carrying the grief of a family lost. In one moment's time, the brother he had lost forever is standing right before him. And as The Undertaker looked in his eyes, he didn't see the love of a long-lost brother, but the fucking hatred of a man who's had his mind poisoned. Paul Bear can rest assured that The Undertaker is indeed living in hell, because Undertaker saw the demon in Kane's eyes. Whatever Paul told Kane about his older brother and the manner in which Paul poisoned Kane's mind doesn't matter, because The Undertaker will never fight his own flesh and blood. The Undertaker will not fight Kane. Hoo <laughs> Dude Love vs. The British Bulldog was scheduled to take place next, but Davey told Vince he had another birthday this week and he wasn't gonna wrestle. So Kane decided to show up and he's here to completely ruin Mick Foley's day. To his credit, Mick doesn't back down. He manages to clothesline Kane out of the ring before grabbing a steel chair. The Undertaker's wee bro takes a chair shot right to the head, but it has no effect. Dude Love pays by taking two choke slams on the rampway before Kane decides to leave, and that's how it ended. Another night off for Davy Boy Smith though, and I'm kinda bummed out. The Headbangers take on this new tag team of Billy Gunn and the Road Dog while Booker T vs Lex Luger happens over on Nitro. Remember I said a few weeks back that Luger was starting to get booed on Nitro shows? Scrap that, this crowd in Bollocks Mississippi loved the total package. Lex has a look on his face as if to say thank god for that. Booker goes down after a shoulder block, he replies with an awesome running forearm. Luger then catches Booker in the corner and we see a power slam from the total package. Luger performs a vertical suplex next but his elbow drop misses its target. I don't know why, but I found this really funny. And Lex goes down after Booker performs his jumping sidekick. Booker T was so fun to watch and his offense was so different from most others. And then he only goes and pulls off a chin lock. That settles it, best wrestler in the world. Lex fights out but he takes a stun gun for his troubles and… oh, two chin locks? 
Booker T, guys, is he the one to carry the torch soon? Unfortunately, we don't see a third because the two go home when Luger breaks free. Booker misses a kick and he gets his little sucker smashed on the top rope. He takes a picture perfect inside out bump from a Luger clothesline. He does fight back with a spinning back kick and a sidewalk slam, but he misses the Harlem hangover. This gives Luger a chance to lock in the torture rack and it's all over. Luger may have won the match, but joking aside, I thought Booker came out of this one looking really good. This unplanned singles run was going pretty well for the future 5-time WCW champ. Even Luger praises Booker after the bout when he gets interviewed by Mean Gene before he talks about the NWO getting destroyed at the opening of the show and how sweet it was to see the tables getting turned. Larry Sabisco joins Luger in Okerland and the living legend wants to make it very clear. At Halloween Havoc, he's gonna call the Hall vs Luger match right down the middle. Sabisco isn't prepared to lose respect by favouring Luger, Larry says Hall isn't easy to beat. Larry doesn't like Hall and he does like Luger, he is a WCW guy after all, but he's still going to call it right down the middle to maintain his own integrity. Lex is all like, yeah that's what I want with this look on his face right here, but we'll see what happens at the pay per view later in the week. Make sure you join me on Sunday and we'll check out Halloween Havoc. The Road Dogg's got a mic during his entrance, there's no theme music, we see an early version of his ladies and gentlemen boys and girls promo when he introduces his partner as the original badass, Badass Billy Gunn. And as for himself, Road Dogg says if you don't know who he is then you should call somebody. The shirt says he's the dog, so yeah there it is, the Road Dogg and Badass Billy Gunn. Road Dogg says the journey starts here and it ends with the tag team belts, if you don't know you better page some. Somebody. I don't need to explain what a pager is, do I? Pretty sure I don't. Very interesting seeing this though when you know what's going to become of this tag team. Instantly you can see a change in Billy Gunn in terms of what he does in the ring. He looks fucking delighted to get rid of Rockabilly. Jesse James too had newfound confidence and say what you want about these guys but the change of gimmick done both men a world of good. It was all going so well but the headbangers experience as a tag team gave them an advantage. Double team moves worked in the headbangers favour and it looked like it was all over after a double flopjack. But then Billy Gunn decided to smash the headbangers boombox on Thrasher's head. This looked great by the way. The referee completely ignores the broken pieces scattered all around the ring and the road dog scores the pinfall victory for his team. After the bout, Road Dog and Billy Gunn have some choice words for the commentary team, calling them freaks and calling Jerry Lawler a slur which I can't say here or the video will get taken down. Check out Wrestling Bios on Twitter if you really need to see it. Again, I'd prefer to put this stuff in these videos, not because I agree with what's being said of course, but just because these are things that actually happened. There's no point pretending they didn't and it does provide us with examples of how things have moved on from the 90s, but I I simply can't do it if I want to keep things moving forward on YouTube, so it is what it is. Tajiri takes on Takamichi Noku next on Raw, on Nitro Scott Hall battles Scott Steiner, the battle of the Scots. There's a lot of Scots on Nitro isn't there? Scott Hall, Scott Steiner, Scotty Riggs, Scott fuck all to do with you. The bad guy conducts his survey before addressing a few WCW superstars. He says the Einsteiners challenged the outsiders when Kevin Nash was injured and you've got the giant running around and challenging Nash when he too knows that Big Sexy is on the shelf. 
Scott refers to Nash as big grouchy and he says his best friend is at home in Phoenix and he's getting ready to come after that big goof known as the giant. And speaking of big goofs, Lex Luger's gonna face Hall on pay per view this week. If Larry does anything but call it right down the middle then the living legend will have to answer to Scott Hall. The crowd are chanting boring by the end of this promo. Sean Waltman is not here tonight and that's because he's at home nursing a neck injury. He'd end up getting fired via FedEx letter two weeks later. It's been said that Bischoff wanted to make an example of Six seeing as he used the same agent as Nash and Hall, Barry Bloom, so Eric wanted to send a message that the outsiders, or anyone else for that matter, were not invincible and their recent behaviour wouldn't be tolerated. Scotty Steiner makes his way down to the ring. He gets greeted with a toothpick to the face, but he remains as defiant as ever. And the first bit of offense ends with Hall taking a shoulder block. Hall then performs a wrist trap suplex, and Steiner gets slapped around a bit while locked in an armbar. Steiner replies with an exploder suplex, and when Hall rolls to the outside, he gets punched in the mouth by Ted DiBiase. We come back from commercial break to see Steiner slapping Hall around this time, and the bad guy then finds himself in a full Nelson submission. Hall gets his head rocked on the top turnbuckle after breaking free, but he replies with a fallaway slam, followed by a choke slam. Hall then mocks the giant as the commentators say he really should be focusing on his opponent here. He applies an abdominal stretch next while using the top rope for assistance. The referee tells Hall to release the hold and the bad guy intimidates the referee. But then Steiner puts an end to that with a pump handle slam followed by an overhead belly to belly. Hall then takes out the referee. Steiner wonders what the hell's going on but he continues the match with a double underhook powerbomb. There's no referee of course to make the cover and Hall takes advantage of this fact by catching Steiner off guard and we see the outsider's edge. A referee then runs down to make the three count, a referee that has his face completely covered but we all know who that is, it's obviously Hulk Hogan. Scott Hall wins the match and he says maybe there's more than one special referee as he makes his way back up the ramp. Sonny, show me your tits. Yeah, Sonny Ono has some nice bops for sure. Takamichinoku signed a long-term contract with the World Wrestling Federation and look at this guy, just, just, just look at this guy. Tajiri pulled off an Asai moonsault very early on and Taka replied with a fantastic top rope spin kick. He followed this up with a drop kick that sent Tajiri to the outside. We then see Taka's glorious springboard crossbody as Jim Ross announces a light heavyweight tournament starting very soon that's going to crown a new WWF light heavyweight champion. It's a great idea but that light heavyweight roster needed a boost in numbers. Taka misses a moonsault and he gets kicked in the head afterwards. Tajiri then delivers a sit down powerbomb but he only gets a two count, same with his follow up Hurricane Rana. Taka hits a top rope drop kick, he signals for the driver but Tajiri counters with a snap German suplex that again doesn't put Taka away. We then see the Michinoku driver after Taka counters a powerbomb and that's it over. A good match here though it was over very quickly. Raw ends this week with Cornette's commentary and the Godwins taking on the DOA. On Nitro, Hogan, Savage and Bischoff once again call out Sting, Piper and Page. This Cornette commentary isn't as good as previous entries. Jim reads out letters that were sent to Phil Mushnick from the public and every letter backs up what Jim said last week, basically just reinforcing both McMahon and Cornette's thoughts about the journalist. One reader thought government reform should be on the top of Phil's priorities and not pro wrestling. Another thought Phil was doing nothing but stretching every story he possibly can to take more shots at pro wrestling while satisfying his personal vendetta. You get the idea. 
Phil responded to these letters by saying he overrated the intellect and social graces of wrestling fans. They believe what they want to believe, think what they want to think while disregarding the truth. And most, not all, but most wrestling fans provide exactly what the pro wrestling industry covets, knuckleheads. Cornette then urges fans to keep the heat on Mushnick, saying the only opinion that doesn't matter is the one that isn't expressed. Fans shouldn't be looked down on because of what they enjoy, so Cornette says viewers should voice their opinion. Phil Mushnick isn't the only target, but he's a good place to start. The Godwins were then scheduled to take on the DOA in Raw's closing match. Remember, the main event was supposed to be Farouk vs Bret Hart, but Farouk wanted that match to start early. I'm guessing the WWF were experimenting here with the quarter hours and whatnot, but it does make Raw's ending feel very underwhelming. Even more underwhelming is the fact that the match doesn't even take place. The DOA beat up the Godwins, and then the Truth Commission show up to beat up the dirty old assholes. Absolutely brutal. Before we fade to black, we see Mankind in the boiler room. He says he's the master of madness, mayhem, malice and cruelty. Undertaker may have reservations about fighting his brother, but Mankind has no such principles. If Foley's grandmother dropped out love on his head, then the old bag would go down. Mankind ends the promo by saying he'll fight Kane anytime, anywhere, and the Undertaker's little brother will belong to Mankind. Uh, third time's a charm, right? The boys are back in the ring and Bischoff says, No heart, no soul, no will to win. He says he's not talking about Vince McMahon, he's talking about Piper, Sting and Diamond Dallas Puke. Savage holds up an assault on Devil's Island poster while Hogan apologises for overreacting earlier on. Hogan forgot how much of a god he is, so he's happy to wait until Halloween Havoc. Patience is a virtue. The NWO gave their opponents too much credit and they hid away all night, so it's all good. The lads are just gonna wait until the pay-per-view. A shit sting then appears on the entranceway. Two more shit stings appear from the audience. After last week, we don't know if one of these guys is actually the real sting, but we learn quickly the two of them are Piper and DDP when they launch an attack. The sting on the entranceway gets taken out by the rest of the NWO as they storm the ring. A massive brawl then breaks out and the cage begins to lower. Just before it touches the ground, the real sting descends from the rafters and the NWO are now locked in with Paige Piper and the real stinger. We get another short fight here as the crowd goes nuts and it ends with NWO members trying their best to escape the cage. You gotta tune into Halloween Havoc to see how things are gonna turn out, but this ending wasn't too bad. It was leagues better than Raw's last 5 minutes though. I'm going with Monday Nitro this week. Eddie vs Benoit, Goldberg vs Raph, Booker vs Luger and Hall vs Steiner were all fun to watch. Brett vs Farouk and Owen vs HBK were also very good on Raw, but Nitro simply had a better selection of matches. Raw's ending wasn't too great either and you'd hope they'd think again before putting on another gang brawl to close the show. Nitro's on 46 points on our leaderboard, Raw's on 45 points and we've got 13 ties. In the television ratings, Nitro recorded a huge 4.6 rating. They've only ever scored higher when going unopposed, while Raw jumped up to a 2.9. The wrestling business was growing in terms of viewership. More fans were being created with neither show losing viewers to the other, and this is a trend we'd see more of towards the end of the year. Join me this Sunday for the Halloween Havoc review and we'll see what happens inside the steel cage. You can do me a solid by subscribing to the channel and turning on notifications so you know exactly when the video goes live. Plus, it does help the channel out big time. 
On Raw next week, the Hitman Bret Hart has his final Raw match of this run, marking the end of an era. The Hitman faces Ken Shamrock and he puts his WWF title on the line. I hope to see you again soon, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Reliving the War, thank you for watching and take care.